Well, good morning, everybody. It is Bev Tanheimer's 87th birthday today. Happy birthday. Birthday in the back. I don't announce all the birthdays, but when you get to like 87, 90, 96, um, I'm there for you. Just let me know when, <laughs> when that happens. I had shared how Pastor Bill was 96 and that Pastor Eduardo in the back there was 96 as well. And he corrected me on the way out that he was 98, not 96. And, but he was very gracious that, that he said, thank you that, that I look 96. So, um, but 98, we have 98, 96, 87. Um, let's see. I don't know. I'm not going to guess on the rest of you. Um, but uh, there's a, what a blessing it is to have a legacy like that of years of, of the Lord having you here, molding and conforming you into his image. And we love that. We are studying in the book of Acts, and we are in Acts chapter 17. Um, but uh, we'll be looking, before you go there, let's turn to, to 1 Corinthians to chapter 9 first, and then we'll get to Acts 17. So, um, For some of you who know me better than, than others, you know that, that I'm competitive. Um, just in like at, at, every, at everything. Um, not that I can compete at everything, but the one things that I do compete in, which at these days is very limited, um, I will be very competitive in it. And, uh, and I've coached for a long time. Um, this will be 27 years of coaching high school soccer and, and, uh, and coach club and lots of other stuff as well over these years. And as a coach, there's things that are incredibly difficult to watch. I think that there's been a little bit of a shift just in these 27 years. I've just, I've watched kids think differently over these years. And, but I, I find it hard to, to find people that are truly competitive, like where they, they hate losing. Like I, I watch players where we're, we're playing a, a big game and, and if we lose, they're, they're fine afterwards. Like, I, I, I'm used to, like, you, you, you don't talk on the bus on the way home if you've lost a game because there's no reason to. Like, you should just, you, it should last for, like, a week of just, like, like sackcloth and ashes. Like, I mean, it should be just, you don't think like that. You, and, and the kids will lose and just like, so what are we going to do now? Like, what do you mean you're going to do now? Go weep. Like, you lost. <laughs> and... And there's just been this shift in thinking. And, and one of the things I'll say to my coach is that, that I'm working with, and I'll say to my team sometimes too, it's just, it's just it, it blows me away that like, this is your senior year, athletes, that you, you probably will never, ever play again. It's like your last couple games or your last game, and somehow I think I want this more than you. In fact, I'm certain that I want this more than you. I can see it in your face. I can see it in the way that you play. And, and as, a, as a soccer player, I would just, I would, I would go into a game, I'd be so nervous before the match, and I, I would 
say to myself thousands of times over the course of playing is I want, I want to walk up this field with no regrets. Like just none. I don't, I don't want to walk up the field thinking like, if I would have just made that one run, or if, if I would have, if, if I would have just gone a little bit harder towards defending that guy right then, I, if, if I could have just done something a little bit different, we, we maybe would have won. I wanted to be able to walk off saying like, I, I gave everything, like everything that I had, I gave. And there's just no regrets. I don't, I don't want to wonder what, what I could have done. And I, and I watch teams, and you've, if, you, if you've ever coached or if you have kids that have played sports, you've seen this probably where your, your team starts out and they think they're going to win. They think they're going to be okay. They think that, that it's all going to work out, and they get, they get scored on like early in the game. Or if they're playing basketball, they just get hammered like in the first quarter. And, 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 uh, and you watch it, and... and and you see teams where it's like now they're they're trying to come back, and it's just too late. Like they've they've they're they're down in soccer two nothing, and there's now just twenty minutes left. But then you watch them play for that last twenty minutes, and they're playing out of their minds. Like they want to win more than anything. And you think like if you only played this like this the whole time, like if you started the game like this, how would it have been differently? I mean, like different. How how would the outcome have been different if you just started and and started the way that you finished? And you'll watch this inconsistencies within people. And, and, um, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just that competitiveness. You want to win. You want to do well. You, you, you played football. You played baseball. Like you're, you've played hockey. You've played whatever sport it is. You've run races before. And, and you gave it all. You're all. It may seem hard to believe, but I, I ran cross country when I was in high school. So imagine you have to really use your imagination right now <laughs> um and i and i i only ran for two years because I, I got frustrated with the sport because and the reason why it was i didn't if i didn't feel like i was gonna die at the end like i was gonna die then i thought like well i should have started my kick earlier like i should have like earlier i should have like just pressed it because I was still okay at the end. And yet, I didn't, I didn't really like feeling like I was going to die at the end. And so after a couple of years, I'm like, I, I need a ball in the sport. This is frustrating to me. But you, you watch guys that are good at running. And man, they, they pace themselves, but they, they start that kick and, and they just extinguish themselves by the end of it all. You find that within the Apostle Paul and many that we find in Scripture. There is a level of competitiveness, and it's not competing necessarily against one another, but competing against their own flesh, the world, Satan. Wanting to finish well. Wanting to, to live a life of, of no regrets. Um, to, to watch people in the midst of, of a game, your, your athletes, and you're, you're, you're watching your athletes play and they just don't seem like they want it. You're watching like they just don't want it. How do you not want this? I mean, like we win this, we win league. You get a banner in the gym. Like how do you not want this? And and I'll take them into the gym. Look at the gym. See that? Like you see you see the years that are there. Do you want do you want your year on there? I'll take it at the beginning of the season. You want you want to be on there? 
Because there's not that many people that have made it this far. There's not that many years up there that have championships on it. Do you want that? And I'll try to motivate them. Like, you know, we, we watch Rocky IV because that's the best movie ever. <laughs> Chariots of Fire clips. They can't, they, they can't handle the whole thing, but like clips of Chariots of Fire. Most incredible movie ever. These guys, there's people that make fun of, some of you make fun of me. They're like, you, the only two movie illustrations you ever give is Rocky IV and Chariots of Fire. And I'm going to stick with that. Um, <laughs> but I'll make them watch that. And because it, it's just, it creates just competitive, competitiveness. You see in, in Scripture that there's competitiveness within the Apostle Paul. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Let's look at, at verse 19. He says, for, for though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. I, I'm free, but I, I've, I have made myself the lowest. I've made myself the servant because I want to win the more. I want to see people come to know Christ. To the Jew... To the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. And so you get the idea here in this part. It's just like, I will do whatever it takes to win people to the Lord. I'll put myself under the law. I'll put myself free from the law. I will become all things to all men. I want to see people come to know Christ. And then in verse 24, he says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. You got a race. You got a whole bunch of people that are racing. They all run. But only one receives the prize. Only one gets the trophy. So run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run in a way that you may obtain it. And I, I bring this up before we get into our Acts 17 passage because I want us as a congregation just to evaluate your lives. Not against one another, but against your flesh, against Satan, against the world. The goals that you've set up. And, 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 and do, do you look at, at your life just saying like, okay, I, I want to live a life of no regrets. And you, you, at this point, you may say, like, I've got a ridiculous number of regrets. And the good thing is, as God says, that his mercies are new every morning. But is, is there resolve that's there that just says, okay, from this point forward, I want to I live in such a way of just no regrets. I don't want to look back and say, well, if I only would have done this, or I only would have done that. or I, it, Living in such a way of, I'm going to depend on him? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be encouraged by the, 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 the brothers and sisters that are around me. I'm going I'm to be taught through His Word. I'm going I'm to have a resolve that, that, that doesn't give up when things get hard. 
Our national soccer team is not going to be in the World Cup this next year. It's ridiculous, by the way. It is ridiculous. And I just thought, like, how do we not, how do we not be Trinidad? Like, it's like the size of, like, Ladera Ranch. Like, how do we not beat them? Like, how, how, can, we not, how can we not do that? And I'm watching the, the tapes of the guys the day before, and the, they're complaining that the field was wet. And I'm watching them, like, carry each other, like, having people carry them across the water so that their shoes don't get wet the day before. And I'm like, that's why. Pansies. Like, they, they're not... They're so worried about getting their feet wet, and then they play against a team, and it's just like, well, the, the, the surface was poor. Like, you see people where it's just like something comes against them in such a way that it's just like, we're done. They give up so quickly. God, help us not be like that. But to look and say, like, no, I, I want to run in a way that I might win. Run in such a way that you may obtain it, that prize. One gets the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Is that how you're running today? Or are you okay just like, eh, doesn't matter? Or are you running in a way that you might win? Everyone and everyone who competes for a prize is temperate in all things. They do, they do it, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You find here within the apostle this thinking on these things. You run a race, one person gets the prize, so run in a way that you may obtain it. And here we're doing this for something that's perishable. I, I've won a lot of trophies in my life just playing sports. They're... I think 98% of them are in my parents' attic. They don't know that. But I, I left them there when I moved out. There's some that I've kept that meant the most to me. But most of them are in my parents' attic. Because it would be weird if you came over and they were all displayed. Like, not quite over, you know, like junior high. But they're perishable. It just, it, it goes away. But they're... they're there's things that matter in this life. And that is our walk with the Lord in this race that we're running in this life that he's given us. For some, it may be 98 years. For some, it may be 96. For some, it may be 87. And for some, it's not even close to that. But are we running in such a way to obtain the prize? He says, I don't run with uncertainty. I don't fight in such a way where I'm just swinging at the air. I'm not just out of control, just doing something. I, I have disciplined my body. I've brought it under subjection. This is something that takes massive resolve, massive effort towards that. I would venture to say that, that anybody here that, that has played competitively, you know that, that there's 
resolve that is, is, is necessary. Um, you know what it is to discipline your body and to do whatever it takes to get to where you can win um, a championship. But in this life, God gives us the playbook right here in Scripture. He gives us examples of people that have gone before us and, and you see this resolve that is there within them towards pouring themselves into finishing well in this life. Let's turn to Acts chapter 17 as we look there this morning. Now remember, Paul has become a believer. He has just been in, in, in Philippi and, and has experienced incredible persecution. We find him in just the previous days being beaten, being stoned to death, and being even them thinking that he's dead. And, and God just keeping him. It's, it's not like he's, he's faced just a little bit of a, of a, of a wet field. Like he, he has faced everything coming against him. Everything in this life coming against him. Now we come to chapter 17 and we see him immediately going to other regions. It says, Now when they had, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Paulonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the, uh, of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. He goes to a new area, Thessalonica. The first thing he does, it says, as was his custom, was he goes into the synagogue. Now imagine this taking place. Like you, you're going to an area and, and Christians are persecuted all over the world and you just think like, my custom is to go to a new area and go straight to the synagogue. There's going to be a bunch of people there, Jewish people that are there reading, singing, praying. And I'm going to go right there and it's there that I'm going to minister. And he would over and over again be persecuted in incredible ways after doing this. But he goes. He goes there and he reasons with them from the Scriptures. Explaining, demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. He goes and is just saying, I'm going to reason with them. I'm going to talk with them. I'm going to come and, and they can ask questions and I will share with them this other area. And I, I just want to reason with them and show them that Christ had to suffer. T turn with me just for a moment to Psalm 22. If you turn there, this may have been an area that, that he went to. 
But imagine being in that synagogue. You go to Psalm 22 and, and you read three portions of the psalm and the entirety of the psalm, but, but just looking at, at portions of it. Look, look at verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by people. All those who see me ridicule me. And you get this picture, the Apostle Paul saying, this is talking about Christ on the cross. They're looking at Him. They're ridiculing Him. You know what took place. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot at the lip. They shake their heads saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let Him rescue Him. Let Him deliver Him since He delights in Him. But you are He who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth, from my, from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of, of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a, a raging and roaring lion. I'm poured out like, like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. I mean, the, the details that are here, Paul could have just gone to a place of... of He's hanging there upon the cross. His, his bones have come out of joint. When they thrust that, that spear through his side, blood and water poured out. His heart has melted within him. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my, my tongue clings to my jaws. You've brought me to the dust of death. And, and, and Paul could just say, like, picture his mouth just dry there upon that cross. For the dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Paul would have just stopped there and said, like, this is describing in Psalm 22, this Messianic Psalm, the crucifixion. They pierced his hands, pierced his feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And he could have said, like, you remember, they were casting lots for his clothing. You remember, it took place. And Paul would have gone immediately to point them to Christ and the gospel. It tells us there in, in Acts chapter 17 that he reasoned and explained and demonstrated that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. It had to happen. Part of his ability to articulate these things is his diligence in being able to go through the Old Testament and to look at the different messianic prophecies that were there so he could go to them and say, like, Psalm 22, look at this, look at these other areas, look at all that has taken place. It is all showing that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And some of them were persuaded. Some of them believed. A great multitude of devout Greeks. And not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. It's awesome to be able to see the beginning of, of these churches and what God is doing in them. Turn with me for a moment to, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We get a, a, a picture here of what's taking place when he's there and, and, and ministering to these people. 
If you look at verse 5, Paul says, for our gospel, it didn't come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance or with deep conviction. The gospel, it didn't just come to you in, in word only, but there was power that was there. Something took place when you heard the Gospel. There was power that was there. It was the Holy Spirit that was just working mightily in your hearts when the Gospel went forward. And, and, and in much assurance, there was just great, deep conviction that was there. We proclaimed the Gospel to you. goes on from there and says, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. You became followers of us and the Lord. You were going through just incredible affliction, difficulties that were there. With the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. This is how he's just describing this church. Like you, you were going through great affliction. You heard, but there was joy that was there. And as a result, you, you sounded forth. You went to every place. And, and as you did, your faith towards God went out. You told people how you had turned from idols to serve the living and the true God. There was a great work that was taking place amongst you. You heard the gospel and you became evangelist. You went everywhere that you needed to go, everywhere that you could possibly go to proclaim the gospel. There was joy in it all. Verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. In chapter 2, it says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before we were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. We had just been just thrashed in Philippi. We had gone through incredible persecution, but there was boldness that was there to still preach the gospel. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness, nor do we seek glory from men, neither from you or from others, when we might have made demands as, as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, 
just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. I, just, I love the heart in this man as he's saying like, you guys remember, right? You remember we came and we, we, we didn't use flattering word, words. We weren't just trying to be men pleasers. All we cared about was pleasing God. We just wanted God to be honored. We want God to be exalted. And, and you remember that, that we so affectionately longed for you. We gave you our own lives because you became dear to us. We gave you everything that we had. We, we worked, we labored night and day. During the day, we just proclaimed to you. At night, we, we were making tents and trying to make it so that we, we weren't a burden to you in any way. We did everything that we possibly could, working jobs and ministering to you, and, and night and day we served you. Preach the gospel to you. Look at verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The Word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. We thank God because you heard the Word and you knew that it was from God. You knew that it was true and it worked incredibly in your lives. You, you weren't those that sat there and just saying like, yeah, 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 we've heard that before. You knew that what we proclaimed was the Word of God. We weren't trying to just use flattering words. We weren't trying to just be men-pleasers. We preached the Gospel to you. We preached from Scripture to you. And you knew that it was the Word of God and it changed you. It changed you. It had an impact on you. Your lives changed as a result. And as I said in 1 Thessalonians 1.8, the Word of the Lord sounded forth from you in every place. Your faith towards God had gone out it impacted them. It impacted them. They thought properly. They knew that it mattered. They were willing to, to go through affliction. They were willing to become all things to all men. They were willing to give their lives entirely in it. Because they knew that God's word was true, that the gospel was true, and that God would use the proclamation of the gospel to bring souls into eternity in heaven. And it impacted them. Their lives were changed as a result. They weren't those that, that sat there just saying, like, yeah, 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 we've heard this. But they were those that took it and believed it and knew it to be true and said, let's go, let's go, let's serve. I don't want to be those that are just comfortable where we're at. Comfortable where we're at, apathetic, like those that are just, you know, like, ah, I don't really care if we win or not. Just kind of want to finish. 
But being in a place of like, no, I want my life to matter. I want to serve him. I want it to be appropriate. You, you don't go into the finals of a tournament and then have that be your worst game. You give everything that you got because you want to be a champion, right? How much more in the kingdom of God? Living our lives for him. The difference is being a champion in, in, in the kingdom isn't from our own flesh. It's from depending on him and depending on him and depending on him. Walking with him. Abiding with him. Being in his word. Being in a place where we're being encouraged by the saints that are around us. Being in a place that we're stirring up the gifts that we have. Being in a place where we're in prayer and depending on him in prayer and in, in his word. And, and being in a place of just, I want to be walking exactly where you want me to be and running this race to the strength that you have provided, depending on him. In verse 5 of Acts chapter 17, but the Jews who were not persuaded became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, gathering a mob, set out, set, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. So here's this mob that comes to Jason's house because that's where the apostles were. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. What does it say about the, the, the apostles? They, they are turning the world upside down. That may seem dramatic. I don't think it is. These people were preaching the gospel and God was doing a work, and the world was being turned upside down, or we might say right side up. God was doing something radical in that city. And then these, in this mob's mind, let's drag these guys out, let's bring them out, because this is what they're doing. Verse 7, Jason has harbored them. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, in Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. <laughs> they go to a new city. And what do they do? Let's go to the synagogue. Because we just got almost killed in that other city. So they've sent us out, so let's go to this one and, and, and that'll be a safe place, right? The synagogue. Let's preach the gospel there. No, they know what's going to happen. They know that trials and tribulations are going to await them. So they go to the synagogue. Now these, verse 11, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. And they searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So now God's doing another work in this place. The Word's going forward, but there's a difference. Not like in Thessalonica where just, just some people were, were hearing and believing. These people are receiving the Word with all readiness. They're hearing the Word and the Holy Spirit has, has worked upon their hearts to where He comes and they start preaching the Gospel in the synagogue and they're loving it. They're hearing the word with readiness. And the notice what it says, and they search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. 
you hear about the good Bereans, those that were there searching the Scripture. Notice what it says. Though, that they search the Scriptures daily. Daily. They're not, they're not in a place of like, okay, that guy said it, so it must be true. They're in a place of like, no, let's search these things out. We want to know for ourselves. He's saying these things from Psalm 22. He's saying these things from the Old Testament. Let's go through. Let's search it. We want to know that these things are true. We want to know that it's biblical. We want to know that it's right. And it's not just, see you next Sunday. We'll think about it then. It's a daily part of their lives. They are in the Word daily. Not just reading, but searching the Scriptures out. They treasured God's Word. You see that with in, Psalm, in 1 Peter 1, where it says in verse 10, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when He testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The, the, the prophets, they, they searched carefully wanting to know these things to be true poured themselves into God's Word. Psalm 19 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. They loved God's Word. And they searched it daily. There's a reason why these saints were running well. Because they were abiding in Christ. They were in His Word. They were in prayer. And they knew that what they were learning was true. And it mattered. It impacted their lives. There's fruit that comes from it. Verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul and Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. And immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy came to him with all speed and they departed. Paul is willing to now break up the team. You may have thought that they were small before, but now he says, Silas, Timothy, can you guys stay here and minister to the people here? I'm going to go. I'll head off to Athens. You guys continue to serve. There was discipleship that was taking place and leaders that were being made and churches that were being established. There was much fruit that came from the work that was taking place here. But it occurred because there was people that knew that what was the prize was something that was imperishable. They knew that what they were preaching was true. They knew that the gospel had the ability to radically, radically change lives. I pray that we would examine our hearts this morning. 
How are you running? You have examples here of Christians that are struggling. And yet, they are determined in the midst of just incredible persecution to continue. I talked to a friend of mine in Pakistan this last week. He's saying, could you guys pray about helping some of the women with getting some sewing machines and learning how to sew? Because they can't get jobs. On all their cards, it says that they're a Christian. And the Christians are just the street sweepers. They can't get jobs. But if we could teach them how to sew, then they can make clothes and they can make things and then they could get paid for it. And, and it'd be just an incredible blessing. And he just sent me like picture after picture after picture of these young girls that are just persecuted in incredible ways in Pakistan. And you start thinking of these, these people and I, I know I've been there. I've seen what it's like to be there. So tough to be a Christian in a place like that. And yet, their love for Christ is just so passionate. They're running in this race. Can't get work. We can learn how to sew. They're running. They're never going to have an expensive house. They're never going to have expensive cars. They're just trying to make enough food to, or money to buy food and clothing and things like that. But they're running hard in a place like Pakistan. There's Christians that are running hard in places like South Sudan. There's Christians that are running hard in places like China. There's Christians that are running hard in places like here. But how about you? You hear where Paul has said, run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. My encouragement to you is to examine your life and say, like, are, are you running that way? Or are you just toiling with sin, with the stuff of the world? The stuff you think about the most is just your own personal pleasures rather than the kingdom of our God living for Him. Are you treasuring the stuff here on this earth more than the things that are in heaven? Where's your heart? Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Where's your heart? Can you imagine how hard you went in the sports or music or learning or whatever it is, hobbies that you did and you poured yourself into these things at one point, but now, but now you're in a place of this is something that's imperishable and you look like you barely want it. If that's the case, repent. Depend on Him. Pray that God changes that in your lives. Come to a place of we, we want to be like the Bereans. We want to be like those in Thessalonica that, that just, that, they, they went out and, and, and God's word was going forth and no one even needed to say a word about them because it was just fruit that was coming from their lives because they knew that the things in Scripture were true and that the gospel was true. And they were willing to become all things to all men.
They were serious about their faith. They, they didn't want to do anything that disqualified them. They just wanted to be able to finish the race well. May that be us. May God work that in our hearts that there'd be so much fruit that comes from our lives and we will give him all the glory. Amen. Because we serve a God that works in hearts, doesn't he? He has the ability to, to mold us and to conform us and to change us. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it pierces through. And you may be here this morning saying like, he did that to me today. He pierced my heart. He exposed my sin. He showed me areas that I need to be able to change. And the second half is going to be way different than the first. And I want to finish well. I want to live in a way that there's just no regrets at this point based upon Christ working in me. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the text before us. We thank you for the saints that, that searched your word carefully but proclaimed it powerfully. Saints that were listening to the word, knowing that it's true and and going from there to just having a radical impact on those that are around them. They were turning the world upside down. Lord, turn our lives upside down. Get rid of anything that's there that's a distraction for us. And help us to run with endurance the race that's set before you, before us, looking unto you, Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, you have the ability to just not make minor changes in our lives, but major changes. Enable us to live for you. Give us joy in it, regardless of what may come our way. And may you be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.